This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today I'm going to touch on a topic that is pretty close to my heart. Do you feel like a failure? Are you a failure? Do you know someone who feels like a failure? (laughs) Well, today I'm going to talk about the illness, and I'll talk about the remedy. And before I talk about failure, I'd like to remind you that if you have any questions or comments, if you'd like to give some feedback, please feel free to send me an email at ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. Just a few days ago, I received an email from a listener who gave some very positive feedback and also asked a question, um, asking if I would address a certain issue, perhaps in future episodes. So I'm looking into that. I'm always very glad to hear from you, uh, either to give me positive feedback or give me negative feedback, too. I sure need that. Uh, so often when I'm sitting here in my office recording, I don't really get any feedback, and uh, all I can really see is if people are listening or not listening, and thankfully, People are listening, and I hope it's helpful. And today, I'm going to talk about failure, and particularly when people feel like a failure. And that's the question. Do you feel like a failure, or do you know someone who feels like a failure? I was thinking that this talk could be entitled, A Biblical Perspective on Failure. (laughs) It's a biblical perspective. It's not a worldly perspective. It's not clinical. It's not psychological. But then I thought perhaps that title, A Biblical Perspective on Failure, that title might be a bit presumptuous. So I should probably call it a Mike-all perspective on failure. Instead of biblical, it's a Michael perspective on failure. This is my perspective on failure and feeling like a failure based on my own experience and conversations that I've had and really good advice that I've received on this topic. And I offer it to you, and I hope that you'll find it helpful. That's the whole purpose of this podcast, is to be helpful to you. I really do hope that this will encourage you. I've had conversations over the past several months, and most recently, just yesterday, talking with people in ministry, Christians who are involved in lots of different things, ministers, pastors, who feel like failures. They feel like they're missing the mark. And as I've had these conversations with others, I've shared with them what I'm about to share with you. And it goes all the way back to when I first arrived in Russia. And I've touched on this in the past. I've told the story several times in different ways of how I ended up here. But it's important to understand that I'm a very poor example of a missionary. I never intended to live overseas. I never desired to live in Russia. I never thought about it, and God really surprised me. And maybe sometime I will tell the full story, but it's important in light of this conversation about feeling like a failure for you to know that I never really planned on this. I never expected this life, and it came to me pretty quickly. Part of my work 
the primary focus of my work when I arrived in Russia, was to be part of a team to found, and then I was to be the director of a Russian charity that primarily focused on helping orphans in a variety of ways. When I lived in the USA, I had a couple of small businesses that I ran. I was also the administrator of a small church. I was on the teaching team at that church. I was unmarried and uh, almost 40 years old. And so I was in a really good position to be able to leave behind everything in the USA and come over here and take this position as the director of a Russian charity because I had experience starting things up, kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, but I also had experience working in nonprofits. In addition to working at the church, I had established a couple of nonprofits in the USA also. So in that sense, I seemed like a pretty good fit for what was needed here in Russia at the time. However, when I arrived in Russia, I did not know the culture. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the law. And here I was in a position of being the director of a Russian charity, and I should know the language. I should know the law. I should know the culture to take that position. Like I said, I'm a pretty poor example of a missionary. And actually, the organization that sent me over just dropped me in quickly. And thankfully, I was a member of a really strong team. So here I was with this authority and responsibility, and there were many Russians around me and helping with the work, and I depended fully on them. Uh, That was one of my lessons early on is it's really good to be dependent on others because that builds relationship and it brings humility. (laughs) God started working on that issue of humility pretty quickly, uh, breaking me down. And I began to feel like a failure because I didn't know the language. I didn't know the law. I didn't know how to make decisions. I didn't know how things here worked. I was out of my home culture, and I was in this new culture, and I was really at a loss. And yet, I had responsibility, and I saw other ministries that were succeeding and doing well, and I really felt like a failure. And I met with uh, a man who is now a really good friend of mine. His name is Mike, also. I met with Mike. He was a long-term missionary who had been here for quite a few years when I arrived. And I sat down with Mike, and I said, You know, Mike, I am just, I'm just a failure. I feel like a failure. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I can't make good decisions. I'm not living up to the expectations that I have for myself and that others have for me. I I just really feel like a failure. And this is what Mike said to me, and this is what I've shared with others over the years. He said to me, Mike, you are not in your home culture. And because you're not in your home culture and you don't know the language and you don't know the culture here in Russia, you don't understand the law and all those things, you're not going to be functioning at 100% of what you're used to if you're in your home culture. You'll at best be at 80%, maybe 50%. He said, but you're not going to be working at 100% capacity, and so you're going to feel like a failure. And, he said, the people in Russia, you're in this culture, they're in their home culture, they're working at 100%. And then the people here in Russia will look at you and they'll see that you're not working at 100%. You're at 70% or 80%. And the people here in Russia will feel like you're a failure because you're missing the mark compared to how they're doing in their home culture. 
And Mike said, the people in the United States, in your home culture, they're going to look at you and say, why does it take Mike so long to do this? And why is it so hard? Doesn't he know that he can just do those things? They're so simple. And of course, the people at home in the USA, in their home culture, they're going to feel like you're a failure. That's what Mike said. So I'm going to feel like a failure. The people around me in my adopted culture, they're going to think I'm a failure. And the people in my home culture who sent me over and praying for me, they're going to think that I'm a failure too. So that is what Mike said. And then he finished up with this. He said, Mike, you are a failure. (laughs) And it set me free. That conversation set me free. I don't know if I did it physically, but in my heart, I raised both hands with fists and I said, Amen, all right, I'm a failure. Of course I was a failure. Of course I felt like a failure. Of course. I'm not in my home culture. I'm going to be working at a lower capacity than people who are in their home culture. And if I compare myself with them, well, yeah, then I'm going to feel like a failure. That reminds me of a story, something that happened when I was visiting Scotland. We visited an old water mill on the west coast of Scotland. Beautiful old building, and it was run by an Englishman who had been living in Scotland for, I can't remember, 30 or 40 years, maybe. And this was early on in my time in Russia. For whatever reason, I asked this Englishman who was living in Scotland, I said, how long will it take before the locals accept you as one of their own instead of thinking of you as an outsider? And he thought, and he said, hmm, 250 years? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, there you have it. Sometimes we move into other cultures, uh, probably pretty often, and we'll never feel like locals will never be accepted 100% by everybody. Of course we're going to feel like a failure if we're out of our home culture. Of course the people here in Russia thought that I was missing the mark. Well, of course they did, because I was. I am. And of course the people in the United States thought I was missing the mark and were confused about why it took so long to get answers or to get things done. Well, it's because I'm not at full capacity. I'm hindered. Like I said, that really set me free. Amen. Yeah, of course I'm a failure. You know, I was wrong to expect anything less. I told this story one time. I was uh, visiting a church in the United States, uh, and I met with a young lady who had been a missionary to an Asian country. I can't remember where it was, perhaps Japan. And I was talking to her, and she was expressing to me how she felt like a failure. And I told the story. And as I was talking to this young lady... There was another lady there who is a Christian counselor in the United States. Uh, She, of course, helps many people go through very difficult things. And she was standing there listening to the conversation. And I was talking to this missionary who was feeling like a failure. And I got to the end of the story. And I said to this young lady, yes, of course, you are a failure. And I said it with a positive attitude. And I could see her nodding her head and receiving it. And the lady that was listening to the conversation, the Christian counselor who was there with me, she said, no, no. She was deeply offended that I had just called a dear sister in Christ a failure. (laughs) It's like, don't ever say that 
to anybody was her perspective. Don't tell somebody you're a failure. Don't ever say it. And yet, I know when I was told I was a failure, it set me free. It really set me free. It was like truth. It was like, yeah, amen. This is actually true. Yes, I am. And this young missionary lady, she had been struggling with these issues, and it's helped her a lot for me to say, yeah, of course, you feel like a failure because you are missing the mark, and that's part of the circumstance that you're in, of course. That's not the end of the story, of course. I'm going to talk about the remedy here in a little bit, but right now I'm talking about the illness, the, the issue, the problem that so many of us face, these feelings of failure. I felt like a failure, and yet the Lord had called me into this situation. God clearly called me to come here and do this work. And if he'd called me to it, then he knew far in advance that I was going to have these feelings. He knew that I was going to run into this brick wall. And he knew that there's a way past it, a way through it, a way to deal with it as a follower of Jesus. These feelings of failure and this recognition of personal failure. I have always had a confidence that God will give me what I need in order to do what he has called me to. And I have this confidence for you as well. The Lord will give you what you need to do the things to which he has called you. He's going to give you what you need. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. So I think it was in the same conversation with my friend Mike when I talked about feeling like a failure. or Maybe it was before. I can't remember. But I remember telling Mike, I am the wrong person for this work. I'm not prepared to do what is expected of me. I'm not able to do what is expected of me. I'm really the wrong person. And I was beginning to despair a little bit because here I am with certain responsibilities, and I know that I'm just not really fit for the work. And I'll paraphrase his response, which blessed me so much. He didn't disagree with me. (laughs) He actually agreed that I'm completely unprepared and unable to do the work that was expected of me. And he said to me, You are absolutely the right man for this job. You are in a perfect place because you cannot depend on yourself and you must depend on God. Well, that was a great word to me. That was a revelation of the truth that God was speaking to me through my friend Mike. Yes, I'm not prepared or able to do what is expected of me. Yes, I miss the mark. And therefore, I was absolutely the right person for that role at that time. Mike said, you're in the perfect place. And the reason is, I could not take pride in my own abilities. I couldn't depend on myself. I had to depend on God. I had to depend on God. Otherwise, there was hopelessness facing me. Really, there was hopelessness. I was hopeless without the living God actively guiding me. Well, I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. What is the remedy to this feeling of failure, the sense of failure? I know that many people listening right now are not outside of their home culture. However, I do know that quite a few people listening are outside of their home culture. I think there is a group of 
Romanians who have moved to the United Kingdom. They're listening. They're immigrants. They've left Romania. They're living in the UK. They're not speaking their native language. They're living in a foreign culture. And I imagine that they run into some of these feelings of failure. I know that there are missionaries listening to me right now. People who have left their home culture and gone into a different culture because of God's leading. And I imagine that they are feeling like a failure. But many people are in their home culture. They're not outside of their home culture. And while they may have feelings of failure, they may not be based on being outside of your home culture. But first, I want to say to those of you who are in your home culture, if you know an immigrant, they are probably facing these very same issues. If you know someone who is in your home culture, who has come into that culture from outside of that culture, they're probably facing these issues right now, these feelings of a failure, being an outsider, never being accepted. And I encourage you to be considerate of their circumstances within your culture. Don't make harsh judgments about how they don't seem to fit in or they can't do things as well. Realize that they are not going to be at 100% for a while as they move into this new culture where they are. As a matter of fact, many people that attend our church here in Russia are from outside of Russia, and they come in, they need to learn the language, they need to learn the culture. Quite a few of them have a different skin color, and so they stand out. So it's hard for immigrants. It's very hard, these issues, these feelings of failure, and just not fitting into this culture. So if you're in your home culture, and you know an immigrant, have a heart for them. Really have grace for them. I know that some people listening are involved in international student ministry or ministry to foreigners who are coming into their home culture. Those immigrants, those foreigners who are in your culture, they are experiencing things that you've never experienced. I can just about promise you that. So please listen to what I'm saying and have grace for them and encourage them. However, even though not everyone is outside of their home culture, Very, very many people in their own home cultures still feel like a failure. I know pastors who are in their home culture, and they feel like failures. And why is this? I imagine that a pretty large percentage of people listening right now, at some point or another, deal with this issue of feeling like a failure. So why is this? Well, this is where we come to a Michael perspective on failure. These are the things that I've thought of, the reasons that I can think of based on my own experience and conversations that I've had. Well, one of the primary sources or catalysts for feelings of failure is comparison. First of all, comparing ourselves to others. Comparing ourselves to where others seem to be and judging that we're missing the mark, that we're not as far along as we should be in comparison to others. As I record this, uh, social media is a big part of Western culture, probably global culture now. And I'll give an example. I know a couple right now. They're going through a really hard time in their marriage, a very hard time. And I don't want to get into the specifics. They may be listening, and I don't want to let our other listeners have any idea of who this might be. But they've got some serious issues in their marriage. They're both believers. 
They love the Lord. They love each other. But they're having a hard time right now. And I was visiting a social media site a few days ago, right when they're in the middle of this trouble. And the pictures that I see them post are pretty pictures of their children and happy pictures of them outside enjoying themselves in the countryside. And if you looked at what they posted on the social media site, you would think, oh, they've got a wonderful life. They're doing great. Look at them. Look, those kids are happy and healthy. But I know that they're not having a great time in their marriage. It's hard right now. So this is where comparison on social media can really do damage. If we look at this facade that is presented by others about themselves and we judge ourselves and we compare ourselves to that, then we are going to miss the mark. And actually, probably the fact is other people are comparing themselves to you You know that your life isn't perfect, and yet, you know, we don't want to put all of our junk, all of our dirt up on social media. So this act of comparison is a real catalyst or a source, a wellspring for feelings of failure, comparing ourselves to others. We should rejoice with those who rejoice. People who are succeeding and doing well and having good time in life We should rejoice with them, but we should not put ourselves in the middle of that process. We shouldn't take that next step and say, oh, I'm so happy for them, but look at me, look at my life. I'm not doing as well as they are. And then we begin to feel like a failure, like we're missing the mark. So we should just not put ourselves in the middle of that process of enjoying and rejoicing with the good things that other people are going through. We need to put ourselves aside. So comparison We compare ourselves to others, and we compare ourselves to ourselves. And I'll tell you a story that really, really helped me quite a while ago. I was, I think I was 29 years old, and I used to play squash. It's kind of like racquetball. Uh, You play inside a court in a room, and I was playing squash with a friend of mine. And we sat down afterwards. We're sitting there sweating and hot. And I said to my friend, I said, you know, I'm almost 30 years old. And when I was 18 years old, I thought by now I'd be married. You know, I'd have a career. I'd have a house. At the time, I was finishing up graduate school. So I was still finishing up my schooling. And I just was not where I thought I'd be. And I said to him, you know, when I was 18, I thought my life would look a lot different than it does now. And my friend said to me, will you let an 18-year-old tell you how to live your life? Oh man, that hurt and it helped so much. My 18-year-old self did not know the life that God had for me. Well, my 18-year-old self was not following Jesus for one thing. And am I going to let an 18-year-old tell me how to live my life? Am I going to let an 18-year-old judge where I am now? Now I'm over 60 Am I going to let a 40-year-old self judge where I am now? Well, I've learned this lesson. Just don't make that judgment. Don't compare myself to where I think I ought to be. Olga and I have said many times over the years, we want to receive the life that God gives us and not choose our own lives for ourselves. So I want to say to you, are you feeling like a failure? you feeling like you're not where you thought you'd be? Are you going to let a 10-year younger version of yourself 
make judgments about where you are now, forget about it. Stop comparing. I've said it a lot of times. Comparison is the thief of joy. When we compare ourselves to others, or even to ourselves, where we thought we ought to be, or where we think we should be, we're putting ourselves right in the middle of that process. And comparison is the thief of joy. Paul said, I've learned to be content, whether well-fed or hungry. In all circumstances, I've learned to be content. Amen. Well, we're moving now into the remedy for the problem. We have this issue, but what is the remedy? A while ago, I was speaking at a pastor's conference, and I shared what I'm just about to share with you, and it really helped some pastors. There were young pastors running small churches, and they were feeling like failures when they compared themselves to other pastors. So here's the remedy. If you are really out of your element, and if you're really feeling like a failure, and you feel like you just don't have the tools that you need to do what you're called to do for the circumstances you're in, here's what I've learned. When I led the Russian charity, I was fully aware that I was not the right person for that role. I was in a position for which I had some skills, but I was sorely lacking in wisdom and knowledge, understanding. And I was the president. As is often the case in a variety of cultures, I found when you lead an organization, most people have the idea that it's like a pyramid, and up at the top is the president. And that point person up at the top of this structure of the organization, there's the president or the CEO, the chief executive officer, and then everything else comes down from that point. And I was aware that the Russian culture in particular was putting me up on the top of this pyramid, and I was not the right person to be at the top of that pyramid. And God gave me grace. And this is what I said in my heart and the way that I led the organization. I said, I I can't be the president. I said, Jesus, you be the president, and I'll be your vice president. That was the attitude of my heart as I was involved in the work. I am not the top of the pyramid. The Lord is the top of the pyramid. I said, Jesus, you be the president, and I'll be the vice president. You make the decisions, tell me what you want me to do, and I'll put it into practice. And that helped me so much. Are you a pastor? Well, don't compare yourself with other pastors. That's not so good. They're most likely comparing themselves to you. Are you feeling like you don't have all the skills to be the senior pastor? Are you in a big church or a small church, home group, and you feel like you're just not capable of doing the good that you really want to do? Well, amen. Let Jesus be the pastor and you be his associate pastor. Like I said, when I shared that with some pastors, it was in Romania, I've shared it with other people in other cultures, I can just see the light go on. First of all, they're comforted that a man like me has gone through these very feelings as I share my weakness and my inability to do the things that God has called me to. And then as I share the remedy to those feelings of failure, you can just see it touches their hearts. And then I say, What I just said, let Jesus be the pastor of your church and you be his associate pastor. Our job as Christians is not to choose options. Our role as Christians in any place in life 
is to discern the will of God and then to choose obedience. To be a member of the body, to be connected to the head, and to discern how the Lord is leading and then to choose obedience. That's our choice. To choose to obey or to choose to disobey. And very often when I come to these points of decision, well, it's built into the title of this podcast, Stand at the Crossroads, Ask for the Ancient Paths, Ask where the good way is, and then walk in it. And that process is asking God and discerning from Him what is the good way, and then choosing to walk in it. Amen. That's it. If you're a leader in any circumstance at all, let the Lord be your president and you be the vice president. Let the Lord be the pastor. You be the associate pastor. Let the Lord be the head and you a member of his body. In whatever you endeavor, in whatever you do, allow Jesus himself to be your head, your boss, scripturally, your Lord, your king. So we're talking about the remedy of feeling like a failure. And the first thing is, let the Lord be the top of the pyramid, and you don't take that spot. You put him there. The next point that I have here on my list is humility. Humility is necessary when dealing with feelings of failure. And here I may offend some people who have a different way of talking about these things. But I want to tell everybody listening, we all miss the mark, every one of us. We are all being perfected, but we aren't there yet. We all fail in some way or another. We are on the way. We are moving in the things of God, but we're not yet at that destination. And it takes humility to recognize that. And so much trouble in the world and so much trouble in families and so much trouble in churches is because the leadership or the members are prideful and they don't embrace humility. They don't accept or live in the fact that all of us, every one of us, miss the mark at some point or another. And I do base this on the scriptures. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And here's what we're focusing on in verse 12. Paul says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Okay, amen. Well, there's a remedy for you. Humility. Paul is saying, I'm going to give up everything that I thought was to my benefit. All the good things, all the education, all the strengths that I had. I surrender it all. I consider it trash, garbage compared to knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection and fellowship and sufferings even. Amen. And Paul says that he hadn't obtained it. He hasn't been made perfect. And if a person has not been made perfect, then that means they miss the mark. They fall short. They, dare I say, fail sometimes. And Paul is saying, I haven't been made perfect, but I press on. I move ahead. I don't consider myself to have taken hold of everything, but I'm going to forget what is behind and I'm going to press on. I'm going to strain toward what's ahead. I'm going to work hard to keep moving forward. And he says that all of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. Amen? Forget what is behind. Press on toward what is ahead. And that's a mature attitude. Humility is a sign of maturity. If we say, yeah, I'm not made perfect, of course I'm on the path. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep going. Well, that's maturity of the Spirit. That is a sign of maturity. And any one of us who are involved in encouraging other people, giving them godly counsel, should encourage them in this direction. It's a mature view of such things. Not that we've already obtained perfection, or not that we've already been made perfect, but we press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of us. We forget what is behind and we strain for what is ahead. Amen? If I thought about my failures all the time, I'd be looking back all the time. We've got to strain towards what's ahead. We have to press on toward that goal, toward that prize. Paul had more to say about this weakness and failure, imperfection. In his letter to the church at Corinth, what we have is 2 Corinthians, which I believe was probably his fourth letter. He talks about how God had revealed so many beautiful things to him. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7, Paul says, To keep me from becoming conceited, or prideful, Because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Well, let's stop there for a second. (laughs) To keep Paul from becoming prideful and conceited, he was given a messenger of Satan to torment him. Isn't that something? And let's look at uh, a great example here of answered prayer, starting in verse 8. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And he answered my prayer. He said, okay, I'll take that away from you. No, that's not what verse 9 says. (laughs) God answered his prayer, but he did not take that thorn away. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That is a beautiful example of answered prayer. God answered very clearly, and he very well may answer your prayers in the same way. 
Lord, I'm a failure. Lord, I can't do this. God, I'm in the wrong spot. I'm missing the mark. And God says, yep, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul says, and therefore, and because of this, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Paul says he's going to brag about how weak he is so that, continuing, Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, dare I say, in failures. And Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. We're talking about the remedy to feelings of failure. And Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. The power of Christ. That's the strength that we have when we humbly embrace the fact that we miss the mark, that we are weak. In Colossians chapter 2, Paul talks about it some more. And he calls us to embrace this life-giving Word of God. Here is the remedy for feelings of failure, and this is the remedy for so much more. Colossians 2 verse 1. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. I'll continue reading in a second, but let me underline a few things here. There is a big if in the middle of this scripture. We have been reconciled by Christ's physical body, his death on the cross. So, first of all, of course, we have to recognize the historicity of the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And he did that to present us holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation when we're presented, if we continue in faith. Amen. Paul continues on, This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now look at what he says. Verse 24, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Goodness, how many of our leaders in churches now would say that they rejoice in suffering for the church to take up the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the body? I know that there are people listening who do that. And I want to encourage you, man, you keep going. You keep working. Keep taking up the afflictions of Christ for the sake of the church. Verse 25, Paul says, I have become the church's servant by the commission that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them, to the saints, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles this mystery 
the glorious riches of this mystery. What is the remedy to feeling like a failure? What is the way through your sense of feeling like a failure? Paul says that he came to bring this Word of God in its fullness. The Word of God that was a mystery before, but has now been disclosed to the saints. And to them, to us, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, which is most of us listening, the glorious riches of this mystery, and the mystery is Christ in you. That's the mystery, and it contains glorious riches. Christ in us, the hope of glory the living out, the expression, the fullness of the new covenant. When God promised through the prophets that he would create a clean heart in us, but he would also give us his spirit. He would renew our spirit and give us his spirit. And this is what happened on Pentecost. This mystery that had been kept hidden and has now been revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not Christ at arm's length. It's not Christ standing next to Pilate. It is Christ in his people. So this is where we land. If you feel like a failure, I want to encourage you that you are indeed a failure. Amen? Praise God. (laughs) You do miss the mark. But keep pressing on toward that prize that God has for you. Put that old self behind Stop putting yourself in the middle of anything. Put that old life behind. Put that self-regard behind you. Set it aside and do not pick it up again. The times that I feel most power in the Spirit, when I really feel like I'm moving in the power of God, are the times when I am least aware of myself, least concerned for myself, not even thinking about myself. If you feel like a failure, well, yep, welcome to the team. We all miss the mark, but we press on and we put that self behind, that selfish concern, that prideful concern, put it back behind us and don't pick it up again. The good news is that you are not the center of the story. You are not even the center of your own story. Christ is the center of the story. Jesus is the center of your story. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ is the center of history, which is his story. This is good news. You are not responsible for your life anymore. You're not your own anymore. You've been bought at a price. You have a new Lord. That's good. Amen, that's good. We can put ourselves aside We can brag about our weaknesses. We can boast about our failings because of the good news that Jesus brings, that he gives his power and his life to his people. We're not alone. His power works within us. His life flows within his people if we will abide in him. And that power works within us so that we cannot boast about anything good in our lives 
and we can give glory to God, to God alone, and turn people to him, not to ourselves. Christ has good news. He gives his power to his people. He gives his life to his people. We are not alone. You are not alone. If you abide in him, his power works within you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he does that so that we can boast in our weaknesses and we can boast in his strength. We can't brag about our own strength. We can only give glory to God and turn people to him. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening and God bless you all.